I mean, you can just have my time if you really want it. If you have your Bible with you, would you open it up to Acts chapter 1, please? Acts chapter 1, and we'll begin reading in verse 20 here in just a moment. Acts chapter 1, beginning in verse 20. Thank you for being here tonight. We have several who are visiting. We're grateful that you've taken the time to come our way. And you can probably remember, as the rest of us, a time, maybe when you were a kid, when you were not chosen for something that you wanted to be a part of. Uh, Maybe it was a role in a play. Maybe it was first cheer in the band or a spot on a certain athletics team. Uh, Maybe you weren't chosen at a competition when you had worked so hard to win it, or you were not chosen for an honor or an award or to be part of an organization you were seeking. Uh, Maybe you weren't chosen, accepted into the college of your choice or the degree program that you were seeking. Or maybe the job you're wanting out of school. You applied, but they didn't choose you. And sometimes it's because uh, we weren't good enough to be on the team or someone else was better than us. Other times, maybe it was because of something else entirely. Maybe it was because you weren't really, truly given a chance to show yourself and show what you were able to do. Maybe someone else knew the right people or had the right last name. Maybe you were punished because of who you were instead of who somebody else was. And maybe it was something more informal that sticks out in your mind. Maybe you weren't chosen on the playground or a girl or boy didn't choose choose you to date or they chose not to date you anymore. Maybe you're not chosen for the right group of friends or you're not in the right crowd. Am I crazy to say that we've all been through something like that? Um, You know me. You know my personality. I'm like, yo, I'm not... I've not experienced just a whole lot of that in my life. And then you get to thinking about it and you say, no, there's, there's lots of times that I've been passed over and so forth, but my unrealistic op- optimism just chooses to forget those times. Uh, but for many of us, that's not the case. That's not the way it is. And those things bother us, especially if it's something that seems unfair. And even as adults, you might think that that changes, but often that is not the case. Um, I've had conversations over the last several years with multiple Christians who were passed over, who were not chosen for jobs or promotions because they were Christians. And and one incident that uh, sticks out in my mind, one instance, uh, was when a, a Christian man was explicitly told by his boss, outside of work, of course, that he had risen as far as he was going to rise in the organization where he was unless he loosened up on some of his, and this was a quote, rigid morality. What is that if not persecution for the cause of Christ? And at this time, specifically to our congregation, uh, in just a few weeks, we're going to choose a few men to serve as additional elders or shepherds or overseers in our congregation uh, but out of 225, most most of us are not going to be chosen for that for any number of reasons. Maybe because we don't fit the requirements and qualifications and qualities. Maybe because we do, but we're not chosen for that because people don't know us well enough or we haven't proven that ourselves. Maybe because there's something in our own life where we choose ourselves to take our name out of consideration for that. 
And may I suggest in all these cases, whatever it is, when we're not chosen for something, the reaction of a faithful follower of God really doesn't change that much. And I want to suggest tonight that we need to be just like justice. When we're not chosen for something, we might have disappointment in that. Justice got a little bit scared for there just for a second. Uh, we might deal with disappointment in those times when we're not chosen, but, but even though we're not chosen, we still need to be working to do what's right and be who God has called us to be. And this evening, I want to examine four biblical examples of how to deal with this disappointment of not being chosen in a godly way. And we're making special application to what's going on in our congregation, but may I suggest that these things that we suggest tonight would be applicable in many situations when we're not chosen for something that we want. Um, and the first example is with this man, Justice. That's taken from Acts chapter 1. I see you laughing again. Acts chapter 1 and starting in verse 20. So, four examples starting with Justice and Acts chapter 1 and verse 20. So, this is after the Lord has been raised, appeared, and then ascends back into heaven. And it's in that in-between time from when He ascends into heaven and He's going to send the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. Judas Iscariot, one of the twelve, has committed suicide. And now they have to choose someone to take his spot. In verse 20, this is what Peter says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his dwelling place be desolate, and let no one live in it, and let another take his office. Therefore, of these men who have accompanied, accompanied us all the time that the Lord Jesus went out and in among us, beginning from the baptism of John to that day when he was taken up from us, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they're looking for a new apostle. And they proposed two. Joseph, called Barsabas, who was surnamed Justice, thought about putting his full name up here, but that wouldn't have been as quite of a clever of a title. So this is Joseph, Barsippus, Justice, and Matthias. Those are the two men that are put forward. And they prayed and said, You, O Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which of these two you have chosen to take part in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place." They cast their lots, and the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. You think about justice on this occasion. He met the same standard as Matthias. He was with the Lord from the beginning. He had seen and heard everything that the Lord did and taught, even up until the time that he ascended into heaven. Tradition says that, that Justice was one of the 70 who was sent out and preached the gospel while Jesus was still on earth. And he was chosen by this group just like Matthias was, as someone who would be good for this position. But they cast lots, and it is God who chose Matthias. And this is not the first time in the Bible that God chose one person for a work over another over another person who was seemingly just as qualified, or in some quick cases, seemingly more qualified than the one who was actually chosen. A great example of this from the Old Testament. 
In Deuteronomy 31, uh, verses 1 through 8, uh, verse 8 there is the culmination of, of this choosing. Joshua is chosen by God to serve as leader of the people as they enter into the promised land. And he's chosen over Caleb. In fact, Caleb isn't even mentioned specifically in Deuteronomy 31. And yet, when you examine these two men side by side, if we want to look at their resumes, Caleb was just as qualified, and in some ways perhaps more so, than Joshua. They were both appointed by God as tribal leaders in their uh, respective tribes, but Caleb was from a larger, more influential tribe with more than twice the number of people. He was from Judah. Well, that's an important tribe instead of Ephraim. Judah was the tribe through whom the Messiah would come. Judah was the tribe through whom David later would come. And and Judah was a tribe that certainly had more political and economic clout than Ephraim. But we remember in Numbers chapter 13, Caleb was the one who stood up as a vocal leader against doubt and faithlessness. Um, He is the one who spoke up in verse 30 of Numbers 13. Caleb quieted the people and spoke to them and said, we can take the land. Now, no doubt, Joshua was standing beside him. And later in chapter 14, it says Joshua and Caleb spoke to the people. But it was Caleb who first stepped up on that occasion. And it is Caleb who is commended by God in Numbers chapter 14 and verse 24. God commends him multiple times for having a different spirit in him and for wholly following me. That's the kind of man I would want to lead my people. And yet it was Joshua who was chosen instead of Caleb. Another example actually would be with David, that David was chosen over Jonathan. Turn to 1 Samuel 16 if you would. 1 Samuel chapter 16. This is not an unfamiliar text to us, but in verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And we remember the parade of sons that come by. And God says, that one's not it, that one's not it, that one's not it. And he finally says to Jesse, is that all your sons? Do you have any more? And remember there is one who is out tending sheep, the youngest. And in verse 12 of chapter 16, so he sent and brought him in, that is David. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, for this is the one And Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. And yet, as great as David was, Jonathan fits the bill for a righteous king. Jonathan was the son of the current king Saul. And by worldly standards, he was the rightful heir to the throne. It was Jonathan who started as a warrior for the Lord earlier than David did. And in 1 Samuel 14, he almost single-handedly defeated the Philistines. 
And David wasn't even anointed till chapter 16. David and Goliath doesn't happen until chapter 17. Jonathan was a great man of faith and faithfulness. He was close friends with David and was a mentor to David. He was a, an intermediary of sorts between David and Saul. And he could have easily viewed David's ascension to, toward the throne as a personal betrayal to, toward him. But he didn't do that. God chose David instead of Jonathan, uh, despite all of the, the worldly reasons not to. And, and then finally, the, the fourth example I would use is from the New Testament. Turn to Acts chapter 15. Acts chapter 15. And then we'll make some applications. Acts chapter 15 and verse 36. Paul and Barnabas have been on the first missionary journey. And they decide now it's high time that they go back and visit these churches and, and strengthen them and do what they can to encourage them, further teaching and so forth. And so they're getting together their party of, of people who are going to go. Verse 36. Now after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord, and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined. Maybe your translation says he resolved. He made up his mind and he wasn't changing it to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, which coincidentally that was the only part of the first journey where Barnabas was actually with them while they were in Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by the brethren to the grace of God. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, the part of the journey where John Mark was not with them, strengthening the churches. Now you look at the, the first three examples. What, what do these first three examples all have in common? Well, let me ask you, who was doing the choosing there? Who chose between Matthias and Justice, and Joshua and Caleb, and David and Jonathan? It was the Lord. Well, that's kind of hard to argue with, right? And, and Jonathan, Jonathan's such a wonderful man, such a wonderful character. Jonathan, God bless him, he knew that, and he said, you're the Lord's anointed. And by all accounts, it seems like he was okay with it. God chose David, and he was going to support David. And yet here with this last example, it's Paul. And, and Paul, for all of his good points and for his apostleship, he was not the Lord. And maybe Paul shouldn't have held this mistake against him like this. Um, the mistake was John Mark had left them in the middle of the first missionary journey. And, and we're not told why Mark left them. Maybe it was something important and legitimate that caused Mark to leave. Maybe it was a, a sickness that he had himself. Maybe there was a loved one back home he needed to go and care for. Um, I kind of get the feeling that neither one of those would have been good enough excuses for Paul. You chose to come and do this work. You need to do this work. But whatever the case, he wasn't chosen by the Apostle Paul for the second journey. And maybe that would make it harder to accept. 
And more like what we go through, perhaps, as well. Maybe it was easier for Justice and Caleb and Jonathan because God had done the choosing. And so what lessons should we learn from these men and their reactions to not being chosen? Well, that's the application I want to make. When you're not chosen, what do you do? Even if you're disappointed, even if you think you should be chosen, even if maybe you deserve to be, what do you do? Well, number one, you keep doing what is right. Tradition says, with our first example, Matthias and Justice, tradition says that they were both faithful followers of God the rest of their lives. And Justice may be a footnote in our Bibles, but he was not a footnote in the kingdom of God. Justice, we're told by tradition, became an elder in the Lord's church, and later both he and Matthias at different times died as martyrs for their faith. And it's interesting that the text says nothing. It says nothing of Justice getting mad on this occasion or maligning Matthias or the apostles or leaving the faith altogether after this. In fact, it doesn't even mention him being disappointed that he wasn't chosen, though perhaps he was. And when we think about those times where we're not chosen, sometimes it's good that we're not. So you're not chosen to be part of the popular crowd. Well, sometimes that's a good thing if they're involved in the wrong things. The crowd were the ones who fell in the wilderness in the days of Caleb and Joshua. It was those two who were standing up against the crowd. If being chosen means that I have to do something that isn't right, I don't want to be chosen for whatever group it is. I'm going to keep doing what is right and let the chips fall where they may. And even if that means that I'm not chosen for something that I do want, something that I desire, well, that's okay. Because there's something better to be chosen for. We'll talk about more in a moment. Too often, though, perhaps, perhaps we allow not being chosen to destroy our effort and enthusiasm for doing what we should. Um, my dad had a, had a teacher and coach a number of years ago when he was still a, a superintendent. And, and this guy was a good coach and a great teacher, very talented. And he worked hard, he uh, went to graduate school at night, and he got a certification to be a principal along with those things. And the first time an assistant principal position came open at the school where my dad was, this man was not chosen for that position. Um, and he was upset. He was disappointed that he wasn't chosen, which was okay. But then he just kind of stopped teaching. He did the bare minimum to get by. And the performance of one of his classes on an end-of-year exam was so bad that he got called in and almost lost his job. Why? Because he was discouraged by not being chosen for the job that he wanted, and he quit doing the job that he had. And so too for us, when we're not chosen for something we desire, that doesn't mean that we should stop doing what we have what we ought to be doing now. We need to keep doing what is right. Uh, Michael Jordan, not someone we need to emulate spiritually in lots of ways, but famously wasn't chosen for his varsity basketball team as a freshman. And he still, to this day, in fact in his Hall of Fame speech, he thanked that coach because he credits it as being one of the things that fueled him to become the player that he ended up being. And maybe we don't need to have the spiteful attitude that he did in thanking the coach for that. 
But we do need to have that perspective of wherever I am and whatever I've been chosen to do for whatever I've been chosen for to do now, you know what I mean. I'm going to do that with all of my might. I'm going to work heartily as unto the Lord and not unto men. And even if I'm not chosen for something else, well, I've been chosen for what I'm doing now. And I will do that and do what's right. Secondly, and maybe there's a little bit of difference here, keep doing what you can do. Maybe you can't do what someone else was chosen for, but you can keep doing what you can do. We think about Caleb for this point. He remained the leader of his tribe, even though he wasn't a leader over the whole nation. And he did what was no one else was willing to do on several occasions. He did what needed to be done. Caleb was the one who stepped up and did the dirty work on a number of occasions. Maybe the best example is in Joshua chapter 14, verses 6 through 15, when that stronghold filled with giants was not taken by the people. It was Caleb who steps up and says, Give me this mountain of Hebron. And he did all of this without any apparent envy or jealousy toward Joshua. He said, if Joshua needs somebody to take the mountain, if God needs somebody to take the mountain, I'm your man. Here am I, send me. May that be our attitude as well. You know where jealousy comes from? Jealousy comes from insecurity. And Caleb was confident in what he was doing and who he was in his service to the Lord. And so we need to keep doing what we can do as well. And then number three, we need to support those who deserve support without jealousy. Jonathan is maybe the best example of this. Uh, turn, if you would, to 1 Samuel chapter 20. 1 Samuel chapter 20. And sometimes that jealousy might be fueled by others, right? I can't believe you weren't chosen or whatever it was. What should our response be to that? 1 Samuel chapter 20. Uh, let's begin reading in verse 30. Then Saul's anger was aroused against Jonathan. And he said to him, You son of a perverse, rebellious woman. Well, I don't know who his mother was. I forget who his mother was, but she probably didn't like that. Do I not know that you have chosen the son of Jesse? to your own shame and to the shame of your mother's nakedness. For as long as the son of Jesse lives on the earth, you shall not be established, nor your kingdom. Now therefore, send and bring him to me, for he shall surely die. If that doesn't arouse jealousy in him, what would, right? As long as this man's alive, you're never going to be king. And what is Jonathan's response? Jonathan answered Saul his father and said to him, Why? Why should he be killed? What has he done? His father basically tells him, You're giving away the kingdom. You're giving it away to David. And what is his response? To defend a righteous man and support him, even to his own physical disadvantage and detriment. In fact, he loved him. He loved him as his own soul. And if we drop down in the chapter to verses 41 and 42, we see that they get together, and this lad who was a servant 
of Jonathan's goes to get some arrows and carry them back to the city. And as soon as the lad had gone, David arose from a place toward the south, and he fell on his face to the ground and bowed down three times. They kissed one another and they wept together, but David more so. And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me, and between your descendants and my descendants forever. So he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. As we consider the appointment of additional elders specifically, judge the men on the basis of who they are, the names that are put forward uh, next week, not on the basis of whether or not we or someone we wanted is not chosen. Judge these men for who they are and whether they are qualified for the work that is to be done. And support them because they deserve support without jealousy. And then number four, we should remember that people do not always choose perfectly. Uh, John Mark, unlike the others on this list, were not chosen, uh, who were not chosen by God himself, he could have said to himself, I can't believe that Paul acted like that. How could he not choose me? Doesn't he know my connections to Jesus? Doesn't he know that I was there on the night he was betrayed? That I was there for the trials, as tradition tells us, and maybe Mark's gospel implies. Doesn't he know my connection to Peter and the other apostles? Why doesn't he listen to my cousin Barnabas who, who wants me to go and, and Barnabas is his close friend? Why doesn't he listen to him? I don't believe he would have been justified in saying those things. My personal opinion is, and you know from me teaching on that text, I think what Paul did and what Barnabas did both got Mark to be who he needed to be, one supporting him despite his mistake, the other showing him this was a big deal and you need to be serious about your service to the Lord. But he could have made the argument that Paul was wrong in this. And the text does not specifically say that this one was right and this one was wrong. So imagine for just a moment. I don't think this is the case, but imagine for a moment that Paul was wrong that Paul should have taken John Mark with them on the journey, and that Paul dug in his heels and decided not to do it and not choose him when he should have. Imagine that for a moment. Well, Paul wasn't perfect, never claimed to be. And we as fallible human beings don't always choose correctly on everything. And so we need to show patience and grace with people that sometimes they get it wrong. And it isn't maliciousness or meanness, and maybe it's not even something intentional. They just made a mistake. And that we can show some grace to them like we would want them to show some grace to us. People do not always choose perfectly like the Lord does. And we need to understand that and accept that. And then finally, number five, the last thing I want us to think about is this. When it comes to not being chosen, remember that not now doesn't necessarily mean not ever. Sometimes we adopt um, the motto when we're not chosen, well, that's their loss, that's their problem, and sometimes that's true. Uh, if we would have been a better fit or done a better job or whatever the case might be, um, 
I've seen as an outside observer of a relationship where one person leaves the other and I think to myself, what in the world were they thinking? That's their loss, man. And if it's something that we shouldn't be involved in as Christians, we should be glad not to be chosen, as we've said before. But sometimes it's my loss and my problem, like with John Mark, where we weren't good enough or mature enough or faithful enough like we should be, and that's why we weren't chosen. And what do I need to do in those situations? Do I need to be upset and pout about that? Of course not. What I need to do is keep working. Keep working to improve myself to be worthy of being chosen in the future. Whether I'm chosen or not, ultimately, is beside the point. I want to put myself in a position, specifically as we think about men selected to serve as elders. You know what I'm working toward? I'm working toward being qualified in the future. That I'm worthy of being chosen, whether I'm chosen or not. That's what I want to be, and that's where I want to get to. And ultimately, that was the case with John Mark, wasn't it? Within a few years of not being chosen by Paul, he wrote the gospel account that bears his name. Did you make that connection? John Mark is the same one who authored the gospel of Mark. And probably it was through the influence and instruction of the apostle Peter. Mark is sometimes called Peter's gospel. And so Mark left Paul... And what a consolation prize. He got to go and spend lots of time with Peter. And later, Paul, at the end of his life, he saw Mark differently. He saw John Mark as someone that he wanted to choose, someone he wanted with him. Turn to one more passage, if you would. 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11. Some of the last words that the Apostle Paul ever wrote were about John Mark. Second Timothy chapter 4 and verse 11. Paul says, Only Luke is with me, his long-time traveling companion. But then he says to Timothy, Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me for ministry. I don't know if... Uh, Mark ever made it to be with Paul at the end of his life. But in all likelihood, Timothy shared these words from Paul to Mark. And can you imagine how Mark felt in knowing that Paul had chosen him? Maybe you're not chosen now, but keep working with the right attitude so that you're worthy of being chosen in the future. And ultimately, when we consider this idea of being chosen, I, I thought what Tommy said in taking some of my time earlier, uh, I thought it was beneficial to us to think about our role, the role being called. And when we stand before God, God can choose us or not choose us. We will all stand before God in judgment. Will we be chosen on that occasion? That is a team with... As many members as want to join, where all can be chosen. But we have to answer His call to be chosen by Him. Matthew chapter 22 and verse 14 says, For many are called, but few are chosen. 
And we read that, and maybe at first blush we think, well, God is just choosing arbitrarily a few people to come to Him. We've missed the point of what that's saying if that's what's in our mind. God calls all. And if you're sitting here this evening, God calls you. And He calls you because He desperately wants to choose you. And you know the ones that God chooses? Do you? The ones who choose Him. The ball's in your court. Too many sports metaphors tonight. But the ball's in your court. Will you choose God? Because He's calling you. And He's made the way through His Son for you to come to Him. Won't you be one of the chosen even tonight? And we encourage you to do so as together we rise and as we sing. <coughs>